I will say that a lot of people will see travel as a solution to problems like heartbreak or I'm feeling depressed, so I just go traveling. But it's important to note that before I ever did go traveling, that looking after myself was my number one priority. I think it's important that if you are experiencing difficult times, that you know that travel is not just a fix for anything. You need to look at the root of the underlying problem. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. So thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from? your current location, and the name of your business. Hi, I'm Afia of Effie Talks Life and Effie Creative, and I am from Scotland. So Effie Creative is my Pinterest agency business for helping small businesses really use Pinterest to boost their branding and get their message out there. And Effie Talks Life is my travel and lifestyle blog that's really about helping women gain the confidence to travel solo. So I'm not going to lie. I was really hoping for like a wicked deep Scottish accent. <laughs> oh, everyone's so surprised. Everyone's so surprised. They're like, but we can understand what you're saying. <laughs> no, like <laughs> I, I had no doubt you'd be understandable, but like I, I wanted it just to be like from the bush. <laughs> Sorry, no. I think though, because I've been living abroad for a couple of years now that my accent isn't as strong as it once was. Mm-mm. So what, what's that experience like? What is it like growing up? Because uh, a lot of the guests refer to themselves as wherever their ancestors are from, right? So if it's yeah. like British, for example, they'll be like, yeah, I'm Ugandan or I'm Nigerian, like whatever. But you hardcore identify as Scottish. Yeah, for sure. I think just because, you know, that's where I grew up. And in terms of African culture, I've been more brought up with the Scottish culture than with the African culture. I wanted, I usually like get into the details of where travel entered a woman's life. Did you want to share some of that story? Yeah, for sure. So I think the first time that travel was really introduced to my life was on my eighth birthday, we flew to the Dominican Republic. And I remember this experience so vividly because it was my birthday on the plane and the air hostess gave me a free bag of chocolates. I was like, wow, this is what travel is like. Um, and yeah, that first experience in Dominican Republic really sparked my love of travel. Um, but in terms of traveling a lot when I was younger, we only really had two family holidays and then it was when I was at uni that I really was interested in traveling more. I traveled a couple of times with my sister to some music festivals. And then in my third year of uni, I won a scholarship to go work in San Diego for three months. And I guess that was my first kind of solo trip, but I'm not sure if I really count it as solo because I was working with three other interns and we were all living in San Diego together, but I did fly there myself. We'd never met before. And I just loved it. It was amazing traveling around America, working in America. And then after we'd finished the internship, we also traveled for a couple of weeks after that. And I was like, this is amazing. That truly is like, I don't know that a lot of people get that kind of opportunity. And maybe it's like, just like part of your story now, but 
a lot of people don't like maybe they'll do like a study abroad but having the opportunity to like go abroad and work for a bit I think it's foreign to a lot of people still yeah it was it was really was an incredible opportunity and it was from this um Scottish charity called the Saltire Foundation and what they like to do is for students in their penultimate year of university they want to encourage them to have a global understanding of business and entrepreneurship so 150 people a year they'll send to work in countries all over the world and then to kind of come back and share those experiences with other people to encourage them to start their own businesses wow what a great endeavor i'll have to look up that uh, it is a nonprofit, right yeah yeah not for profit yeah check that out that's really cool um so you said that growing up you took a few trips here and there i wanted to ask you about something and it's not something uh i don't think you've spoken about widely but um, you were orphaned at the age of 14, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So it's always a complicated kind of family history story, but essentially my sister and I were both adopted when I was three years old. Um, and then unfortunately, when I was around 11, my adoptive mom had breast cancer and passed away when I was 14. And as she was a single parent, then it was really just my sister, my brother and I from that point. And how has that impacted like a lot of your relationships and the decisions that you make? I think with it, sometimes without even realizing it's, in, it's impacted everything. Um, so from the year that she passed away, I almost started with this belief, well, if I don't continue with things now, my life could go down a completely different path. Because I remember there was these kids at school and their mom had passed away and they spent two months out of school and then never really got back into it. And I was like, well, if this happens to me, this is gonna, this is gonna affect my whole life. So we actually, like after we found out my mom passed away, we went like straight back to schools, got straight back on with work. And there were points where I felt like, well, I'm not gonna have the same opportunities as everyone else. So anytime that there is an opportunity, I just have to jump onto it, grab it with both hands and take it for everything I've got really. So that's just kind of been your attitude about everything, because it seems like you're just like, well, I'm here. I might as well fuck shit up. Like, <laughs> I like, you know, you have to, you just have to put yourself out there. You absolutely have to put yourself out there. Even if you're terrified, even if you don't know whether it's for you or how it's going to turn out, you just, you just have to put yourself out there. And it's not like I'm someone who's always been super confident. I've had the struggles with anxiety and depression from my teenage years, really. But it's in just embracing who I am as a person and accepting that mental illnesses, you know, it doesn't make you less of a person, but you need to understand yourself, understand what triggers you, what makes you tick, and not let those things stop you from going after what you want. I heard that, but my experience was a bit similar. So I, I have also lost my mother to cancer. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm sorry for you as well, because it was at a young age as well. And it's just like people around you have no idea what you're going through. They don't know what to say to you. And it can be difficult to find a meaning in that. Because um, it's like your own personal tragedy, right? People understand sometimes these mass tragedies you know, there's war or, um, you know, 9-11, stuff like that. But when it comes to talking and being lost, I don't know that the conversations have evolved enough to where people have space to heal and the comfort to heal. Because like you said, you, you and your siblings like just cracked on with it because you didn't want to find yourself in a lull, find yourself not living, not fulfilling your desires. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think uh, the way that you described it as your own personal tragedy is absolutely right. So I wanted to ask you about your mission. Um, it is to inspire women to make life an adventure. So how have you invited adventure into your own life? I think like, I think one of the things when you're writing a travel blog and I say something like, you know, I want you, I want you to make your life an adventure. It starts well before you ever go traveling. It's really about embracing who you are, 
and really leaning into that because what you like isn't going to be necessarily what someone else likes and just because it's not what everyone else is doing doesn't mean that that's not something you should pursue so when people come to me for advice when they say how do you how do you become so confident I'm like it's not that I was always like this it's just something I've learned to do and by learning to do that you open yourself to more opportunities you open yourself to being who you've always been really when you talk about like facing your fears in order to do so, what were some of your fears that you had to get through? Oh, traveling solo for sure. Like I never intended to travel solo. It was not something ever on my radar. And um, I was doing my master's at university and I was really having a lot of struggles with that. And I decided that after I finished my master's, I didn't want to go straight into a career and that I wanted to travel for a bit first. Uh, I had a friend who sort of had similar feelings and we both agreed, let's do this. Let's travel to Australia together. It's going to be amazing. We'll go to Thailand and Vietnam first. And we've been organizing that for maybe six to nine months. And in the last couple of months before the trip, our relationship began to break down a little bit. And it was getting to maybe a month before the trip. And I was like, wow, we haven't spoken in a while. We should, we should probably do that. Um, so I reached out to my friend to invite her over to do some travel planning and then she just hit me with yeah I'm not going to come anymore you should go on your own and it just felt like my world imploded at that moment I was like go on my own how could I ever do this I remember just like crying for days but at that point I'd already given up my flat I wouldn't have a job I'd also told everyone that I was going so I was like I can't pull out now Um, so I was like I'm just gonna have to do it and just see see what happens And so that took you to Bangkok, right? Yeah. So it started in um, Bangkok. I spent a month in Thailand, then two weeks in Vietnam. And then I ended up in Australia. And initially, I honestly just thought I would be there for a year. Um, And then I ended up loving it so much that I did a second year. And then I think I maybe took um, two or three solo trips while I was in Australia to Japan, the Philippines, Hawaii, New Zealand. Uh, yeah, I did a few trips while I was living in Australia because while you're on that side of the world, every, everything in Asia is actually quite close, whereas in, when you're in the UK, it's so far away. But part of what prompted you to, to do this trip that ended up being a solo trip was because like university had you kind of cracked up, right? You were talking yeah. about having a nervous breakdown. You were miserable, miserable and depressed. And you said... I need to take care of myself. So what what was going on at the time that had you in that kind of state of mind? Um, what, with the university that was like making me nervous or you mean the fact that I was like, oh, I want to go and do this trip? Both. Um, so because was it, didn't one lead into the other? Weren't you like university yeah. be out of my mind and I like need to take better care of myself? Yeah, so essentially I had just finished my undergrad degree um, at university and I didn't really have a plan for what I was going to do next. I never really, you know, you never really see the end of the four years. You're just like, oh, well, uni's just what I do. And I had just been following these paths and then when it came to, okay, kind of you're on your own now, that really scared me. And I was like, okay, why not just do another year at uni, have another year to figure things out? Digital marketing is something that I'm really passionate about anyway. And then in doing the course, I just, I realized that I kind of signed up to, for the wrong reasons. Like it had never been my priority that I was doing it because I was passionate about digital marketing. It always been the priority was I was doing it because I didn't know what to do next. And then throughout that whole time doing my master's, I just, I just became severely anxious and depressed. I felt um, really overwhelmed by the work. I wasn't enjoying the course. Um, for a few reasons and it, it it was just a struggle the whole time was a struggle and I won't say that like I regret the decision because I did I did learn a lot both in the course and about myself but there definitely could have been better decisions for me at that point in time so the decision to travel I will say that a lot of people will see travel as a solution to problems like heartbreak or I'm feeling depressed, so I just go traveling. But it's important to note that before I ever did go traveling, that looking after myself was my number one priority. So I was in counseling for a while, in both in uni and um, 
NHS, which is like the National Health Service, um, going to counselling through that as well. I was doing reading a lot of personal development books and really looking after myself that way before I decided to go and take on the world. So I think it's important that if you are experiencing difficult times that you know that travel is not just a fix for anything. You need to look at the root of the underlying problem. With that focus um, on trying to make space for you to feel better in your own skin, to feel better about your journey, um, that's when you did the traveling. When did you start the blog? Oh, many years before. I think I actually started uh, 2011. So I was doing this um, social media internship. I've always had a kind of like writing has just been something that I've, I've always been passionate about. And I was doing some writing for this online publication. I wasn't getting paid for it, but I was just doing it because I loved it. And this woman that I'd actually met on a music festival was advertising for this internship in social media. And I was like, this whole social media thing sounds really good. I've really worked in it before, but I feel like it's something I'd be good at. So the position was actually based in Edinburgh. And at that point, I was living in Sheffield over summer. And I just messaged her. I was like, I know this is in Edinburgh, but I think based from Sheffield, I could do it. I have no social media experience, but I'm willing to learn. And through doing that social media internship, I actually stumbled across my first ever blog. And I was like, wow, people are writing about their life experiences, like on their own website. I didn't even know this was a thing. And then I was like, I want to do it too. And a month later, I started my own blog. And is that is that the FE? Yeah, yeah, that's the same blog that I have now. Wow, for real, for real. That's really dope. Yeah. What have what has helped you to be consistent on the blog? Because it seems like you update it very regularly. Like, how do you make yourself do the work? <laughs> uh, oh, a hundred dollar question. Um, you know what? So up until um, maybe last year, no, the year before. So I had to blog all those years, but I was not consistent until about two years ago. And it all started when someone messaged me on Instagram. And they were like, how have you been finding traveling the world as a black woman? And I felt that that question couldn't just be answered over Instagram, that it was part of a wider problem. So I decided to write a blog post about it. And I hadn't, bear in mind, I hadn't written on my blog for about seven months while I'd been traveling. And having written that and had such a positive response to that, I was like, I really need to start this up again. There are a lot of topics that people need to hear about. And I'm doing a lot of stuff that I want to share with people. So then it's really about last year that I started consistently posting like once a week and I was putting so much pressure on myself before and anytime I'd go to write a blog post I was like oh it's it's not perfect or I don't know if this is the right way to express what I want to say but last year I, I don't know I just really felt that it was something that I needed to do. I had a lot to talk about, I had a lot of questions to answer and I wanted to be able to answer them fully. That's really deep. I like that. So it was, it's, it arose out of a need to express yourself, essentially. So yeah, it wasn't sure. like, oh, I have these followers and like, I need to do this because like, this is a good business move. You were just like, this is for me. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just, uh, writing is like, I feel like it sounds corny, but I just, I just feel it in my soul. Like anytime I go to write something, I was like, I could not imagine a place where it wasn't in my life from like scribbling down stories as an eight-year-old to actually writing a travel book. And the other thing is when from the ages of about five to eight, my sister and I were homeschooled. And as my mom was an artist, she never particularly focused on like the subjects like maths or the hard hitting stuff. It was always like the arts and history and writing. And she really gave us a space to be creative. And that's just kind of stayed with me till my adult life. And so speaking of creativity, like you actually was able, were able to find a mentor through Instagram. So what was that transition transition like? How did it go from, hey, I need to express myself to, hey, this is, I'm never going back. <laughs> or if I go back, I'm going back on my terms um, to the UK um, and taking your essentially like a hobby blog more seriously yeah so um in the uh, middle of the year last year 
um, I think I stumbled across one of her webinars or something and I watched it and it was about growing your Instagram account and there's all these things that I've never thought of in my life. I was like, wow, this is really useful stuff. And I think just after doing that webinar, I, I was following what she was doing for a bit. And then another travel blogger that I really liked, the bold brunette, Christina Galvato, she had a blog post on how working with a business coach had helped her to set up her own business. And then the business coach was Elise Dharma. I was like, this is it. This is a sign. I need to work with this woman. So it was that easy. Like, <laughs> like uh, mentorship is something that people kick around quite a bit, but they're just like, oh, you know, you kind of have your eyes on someone and like, don't jump down their throat, like, <laughs> you know, and then you ask them. And usually people are, I don't know, in my experience, like way too busy. Um, no, well, I mean, I actually invested in her coaching services because I didn't really know where I was at with starting the business. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to start a business that would um, kind of supplement my travel blog. Oh, okay. Okay. That's great. I love uh, there are so many different programs that people are investing in, that ladies are investing in in order to take themselves to that next level. Because there's just a lot that we don't know, or there's a different way that we can think about things that can absolutely help you connect with people more. I think people don't know how they're being read. So when a regular person comes across your blog, you think that you're presenting yourself one way, but really it's like, you know, maybe disjointed or misaligned or whatever. So I think that insight is really important. Yeah, definitely. I think like growing up and in school, like you learn all these things and then none of it actually applies to your real life. So when you're an adult and you have the opportunity to like essentially go to your own school that is actually related to what you want to learn, you absolutely have to invest in yourself to be able to get to the next step. I'm sure it's possible without investing, but I think it will just take a lot longer. And I just, I just don't like to wait. <laughs> That's true. We do spend money on these degrees and look at us now. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> so you have your bachelor's in media and your master's in digital marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it seemed like you were just kind of looking around. Um, I saw a post that you did and it was a, not a post. I saw a series that you've done on digital nomads and it seemed that like all of them, but one was white. I think the other one was maybe Latino. Um, yeah. Which is really interesting to me. Uh, were you looking for yourself out in the world? But then like you have a post about like, what is it? Like 15 uh, black, black bloggers that you should follow, yeah. like, you know, information about them. So, so talk about that. Talk about how you have seen. Um, so here's the thing. When I initially started doing the, the digital nomad interviews, it was I'm on this group called Girls Love Getting Paid While They Travel. And I just wrote, hey, I've got this idea. I'd like to interview digital nomads about jobs that they're doing. Um, get in touch if you've got a story to share. And I don't think there was a single black person that applied to that, um, that replied to that. So I, based on the answers I got, um, started creating these interviews and then I reached out to some people that I also knew myself so it wasn't that <laughs> that I was like intentionally seeking out other white women it was just that there was there was really no one that came forward okay all right no I didn't think you had <laughs> a lot of times if you don't look for something it's not there it's just like um any project that I do yeah. It takes like a little bit of research, but once you scratch the surface, especially with uh, the black travel community, um, black women specifically, uh, it's been really easy because they share so much and they like put each other on. So be like, hey, who should I be following? They don't name just themselves. They name like 15 of their homegirls that they know. So it's really open like that. Um, partic particularly on Twitter, like Instagram is a little different type of medium. Ha have you found that as well? Yeah, definitely. I love, I love, love the community aspect on Twitter. And I wasn't using it for a while there because I was like, oh my goodness, not another platform. Um, 
but I have started getting into it in the past year and I do really love how people lift each other up. I know I personally will, if I see like a journal request or a PR request, I'll always be tagging someone that I think it's relevant for or sharing it with someone else. Um, and I think it's important to do that because it's never just about you. And you shouldn't just do it because you one day hope to get something from them. You should just do it because because you want to, because helping each other helping each other is so important we wouldn't be where we are today if no one else had helped us get to the point that we're at so true does does that mean something to you does do you feel like you are in community when you are with other black women no matter where they're from yeah for sure like I definitely feel like I'm part of the black travel community on Twitter and I love it um especially when I was doing that post on um, 15 black travel bloggers you need to be following. I, you know, it's, it's, it's an issue. Like on Instagram, you will see people doing these tours and it's the same kind of people doing the tours. And when that girl asked me, how did I find traveling to this place as a black woman? It's really like, damn, she's right. Like all these places and you're looking at the um, adverts that they're sharing and you can't see yourself reflecting in it. So how do you know that it's for you if you can't see anyone like you? So whenever I'm writing something or sharing something, I'm always trying to open up to you. You are wanted in this space too. This is for you as well. So it is a conversation that you like have with yourself. Like there's, you feel like you may not thrive or be welcome or whatever it is in those spaces. Uh, I think it's, it's a conversation that you can't really avoid. And I do put myself in, you know, I have had experiences in the past where I've traveled to places and I haven't necessarily had like that positive experience, but I won't tell someone not to go there because of that, because I don't want my negative experience to impact you. You know, I'll be truthful about what's happened, but I don't want to say this should stop you from going there because that's, that's not my decision to make. Yeah. It's just interesting to me. So I've been traveling for like the last, uh, it's been almost four years now. Um, I was in Europe for a bit, but I've mostly been in Asia. Uh, I was in Europe maybe like almost a year, just kicking around from different countries. Um, And the spaces are white for the most part. And it's just like, where are all the black digital nomads? Because like, they're absolutely out there. So it, 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 took some uh, intention on my part to be able to find not just black travelers, black digital nomads, because that's like a whole nother layer, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah. (laughs) I know some people are just like, well, if I wanted to be around black people, like I could just do that where I am. But it's a very specific and different kind of, uh, experience when you are building a business as you're traveling. Um, I wanted to ask you about, you say that traveling alone is an opportunity to meet yourself. And you said, don't panic, use that opportunity to your advantage. So I guess this was maybe touching back on your fear of solo travel. Um, so you have had an opportunity to to do quite a bit of travel. Are you excited about the person that you've met along the way? Oh, 100%. I love her. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like with solo travel, you learn so much about yourself. And it's not always the good stuff, but you definitely learn a lot about yourself along the way and, you know, how you react in certain situations. I also noticed... Um, sometimes being around other people I began to notice like after a negative experience solo traveling I'd kind of close myself off a little bit to approaching people Um, and then by spending time with someone else when I was traveling solo I that was a huge realization that I had that this experience has had impacted me more than I'd realized in what ways um so I had this I had a negative experience in the Philippines I was sexually assaulted when I was traveling solo there and I at the time I didn't really realize how much it had impacted me but in the weeks following I realized that if if like a guy was like looking at me I would be really like 
what is his intentions I can't approach anyone to talk about them because like what are they thinking um so I'm, I'm sure you're aware that in a lot of countries in the world there's this view of black women that's kind of like fetishized and view black women as prostitutes or overtly sexual and that's something that I definitely experienced in the Philippines with people looking at me it made me feel really uncomfortable so then when out in occasions I just I just didn't really want to talk to anyone um I was reading that article uh that you wrote not article your blog post but you were saying that speaking to people got you speaking to people about what happened to you got you all kinds of responses um have you been able to take the time to process that yeah i think definitely because even that um that blog post took me a really long time to write but i realized you know people are always going to have their opinions what matters is that you you know yourself and you know the people who are closest to me like love and support me and i love and support me so that was the main thing and in sharing that post within kind of facebook groups and stuff and people give me like negative comments like oh well what are you wearing or you know this is what happens to girls when they travel you know that that opinion doesn't matter to me what matters is that one person that reads it that needed to read it yeah it it is it can be very difficult to share something so intimate like so widely um because people do that they are people <laughs> and it doesn't matter where they're from they're going to react like people will react you know a lot of times unpredictably and horribly and just mired under whatever uh filters they've grown up with you know patriarchy white supremacy like all types of stupid shit so yeah that'd be a tough thing but kudos to you for being brave and putting yourself out there like that um and hopefully not all to your detriment because sometimes sometimes we share too much too soon you know what i mean yeah yeah no i'm definitely glad that i shared it at the time that i did i think i kind of i wrote a lot of notes on it and i was like oh i'm i'm not ready to make this a post yet and then i think i had read someone else's um someone else that i respect sharing their experiences as well and i was like okay yeah it's time like and even on um some of the facebook groups I'm on and women sharing their experiences on there and just the comments they get about oh well you know women traveling solo or wearing short skirts and I was like okay like this I need to set the bar straight here mhm cuz like victim blaming is super old like I don't know why people are still trying to control women when they can you know control men <laughs> have them be accountable for their fucking actions and like not yeah tell women everything that they're supposed to do or not do in order to garner this favor because as we know there are women in straight hijabs getting like catcalled and assaulted as well yeah. so it's it's never us not that we need that we already know it's not us <laughs> right i think the thing is as well because i was noticing like it's not that just that these comments were from men they were from other women but i think that inherently we've been taught to fear our sexuality so these ideals have been ingrained to us without us ever stopping to question wait wait hold on a minute why do i think this yeah that's what patriarchy does though right that's how that's how it continues to flourish is because it's uh it's indoctrinated right so it's like Absolutely. it's the same thing with anti-blackness if you have a problem with your skin tone or your hair texture it's because you've been taught to hate that not because it is inherently bad and it's the same thing with being a woman if you've been Absolutely. yeah if you've been if if you hate something about yourself is because you've been taught that it's bad so I really appreciate you sharing your story so openly. Um may I ask Effia, are there any specific self-care practices that you have? All the self-care. I love it. Um yeah, so I think, you know, self-care is not always just like a bubble a bubble bath with a glass of wine. Sometimes it's like doing the work that's it's a bit difficult. Um definitely journaling I think is important and I used to read that and think, "Well, oh, I'm not like keeping a diary." But it's just sometimes checking in with yourself and writing it down can 
really make you realize all these things you didn't even realize you're thinking. Anytime I write stuff down as opposed to, you know, like typing it or just thinking it in my head, it's like your brain is just unleashed. So journaling, I think is so important. And, you know, if you're not sure what to write, you can just go on Pinterest and Google journal prompts and then pick a question for the day and write a couple of pages on it. Um, I love to read. I think reading is really important. And for me, self-care is more than just like keeping my mind in check. It's about kind of um, growing the person who I am so that I have more opportunities in the future. So learning things about like managing money and starting a business is is also self-care for me as well. And yoga, I love yoga. I'm absolutely obsessed with it. And I think I kind of shied away from it for years because I'm not flexible in the slightest. And I started going regularly when the apartment that I moved into now has weekly yoga sessions. And I was kind of frustrated that I wasn't as like good as everyone else in the class. And I told my yoga teacher, and I'm like, you know, I feel like I'm having to get more adjustments and stuff than everyone else. And he's like, it's yoga practice, not yoga perfect. And <laughs> I was like, you're so right. And I've kind of just allowed myself to be shit and enjoying it anyway. Um, and then the last one really is meditation. I grew up um, kind of for a lot of my younger years, I grew up Buddhist and as such, our mom would make us go to the temple and kind of sit and meditate in silence. And that was just, to me, that was just a nightmare, you know, as, as a kid doing meditation is really hard. So as an adult, it was something I would actively avoid because it would remind me of those times as a kid where I was just sitting, waiting for the silence to be over. But now guided meditations every morning is a huge part of my life. And I've actually been using this app called Insight Timer and it has this really cool um, inbuilt system where you can track how many days you've done in a row. And today is day 161 of consecutive meditation. So I've really been enjoying that. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. It's so funny that we have to like gamify things like this. (laughs) Yes, to like have that little dopamine mm-hmm. or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I cannot miss a day. Like, even if I'm like, I'm, talking, I'm like, wait, hold up, wait, hold up. I just need like ten minutes of silence. Okay. Right, right. I gotta keep my gotta keep my streak yeah. going. <laughs> um, do you find any of those practices particularly grounding? Um, yoga for sure. Like I. I will go to yoga and something will be on my mind and I will just have these like epiphanies mid-yoga where I just am able to see a different perspective on the situation. The type of yoga that I, I regularly do is yin yoga as well, where you're in these like deep stretches for two to five minutes and certain areas of your body will relate to certain emotions. So there have been times where I've actually just like felt like crying, got home, had a little cry and just felt better. And it's not because... I'm like sad. It's just because there were emotions that needed to be released and it's a safe space for you to do that. Wow. You made it home. Like I've full out. Yeah, I lived downstairs. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, especially like pigeon pose. They say a lot of trauma is hips. So like getting down in there. Ooh. Just thinking about it. I miss yoga. I miss yoga a lot. Yeah. When I was traveling, I missed it so much. Yeah. That helped quite a bit with keeping myself well overall. I think there's some things that, like, you can't, like, fully explain, like, the benefits of. But when Mm -hmm. you do it, like, you just feel better. And yoga is one of those things for me. Definitely. I think it also it's really important to find um, like a yoga teacher that you resonate with as well, because that can have an impact on the whole practice. And my yoga teacher, he's just like he's just like the most incredible human. Sometimes he'll come around with like um, essential oils and he'll say all these really insightful things while you're in the middle of your practice that just give you food for thought. And I just uh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, man. Teachers can really transform like that. I love that. Um, have you had support while figuring out what works for you in terms of work and travel? Um, I mean, so definitely, um, working with Elise was incredible because I just went to her and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Please help me. But now since then, I have a friend Montel and every week 
we talk to each other about our goals um, we use Asana to set up goals in there and then we kind of just spur each other on. We like egg each other on to like go for our goals and to dream even bigger. I'll help her with her business ideas. She'll help me with mine. It's just a really beautiful friendship that all started from Instagram actually. And I saw that she was starting her own business. I'm like, hey, I've done this as well. I know we don't know each other, but do you want to be accountability partners? And it's been over, over six months now, maybe even nearly a year that we've been talking to each other. That is so fetch. Uh, you have a really helpful post on how to be a digital nomad. So your bullet points are you need to set goals, have an accountability partner, follow advice of those you would trade places with. Hello. Um, <laughs> and you say you need to work incessantly on your mindset, uh, have a routine, learn how to talk about your business, and don't be afraid of change. I could spend like an hour talking to you about each one of those separately. So that'd be like a lot of hours, but <laughs> um, I, I love so much of that. It really kind of, it's a holistic approach to being a digital nomad, particularly the mindset piece. Uh, it could be lonely, right? It could be uh, really, yeah, definitely. you're writing um, your blog posts alone. You're doing your social media alone. Like you're doing everything. Okay, I get it. I'm alone. yeah definitely definitely because I do like I spend a lot of time just like indoors working from home so it is good to have someone else to chat to about these things because I I adore my friends and I love my friends but obviously they can't relate to this aspect they don't get it they just don't get it friends and family like they just don't yeah they're just like, my when are coming home? Or... My sister's just started coming around here. She's like, Fia does that, that pin interest thing and like shares it on social media and it's so cute. But generally so, people don't understand. So is that, is that a UK thing? Because I had this British lady pronounce it like that, pin interest instead of Pinterest. Oh no, it makes me cringe so hard. My university lecturer used to say that and I just felt my insides dry out every time he said it. <laughs> Well, here's to moisturize insides. Um, so what helps you to, the accountability partner helps, but like obviously they can't be with you all the time. So what, what do you do to work on your mindset? How do you keep yourself focused? How do you keep yourself up? Um, I mean, as with everything, you can't always be 100%, 100% all the time. Um, I just you know setting goals is important so that you're not just like working and you're like wait what am I working towards setting goals um even ones that scare you and then also failing failing helps me to grow massively because I learned so much from than if I was just doing everything perfectly all the time um setting goals having someone to talk to taking time outside as well being working from home and just being home all the time you can get a bit stir crazy so taking some time to walk around outside helps to reinvigorate me a lot and what kind of routine do you currently have so my routine at the moment looks like I will wake up ideally an hour before I need to post on Instagram, um, do my meditation, have some water with apple cider vinegar, um, and just sit down and take some time before actually getting into work. Because if you just rush straight into emails, then that's it. That's already you just like distracted for the day. Um, so yeah, I've learned not to look at my emails first thing and more do my emails in the middle of the day. So I've actually had time to work towards things. and then. Um, so like balancing both my blog and Effie Creative, I'll have separate goals for each and I'll try just to have three things, three main things in my to-do list. Otherwise I just like, I feel overwhelmed or I get distracted. And, um, would you say the courses that you've invested in or the, uh, people that you have put yourself around, have they helped you to learn how to talk about your business? Definitely. So there was Elise's course and then there were some podcasts that I listened to as well, like people like um, Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield, even the Skinny Confidential I love. I also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, how you, when you were first traveling, um, you went and worked at a banana farm for 13 <sighs> weeks. 
And you wrote a couple of pieces about that. And it was very interesting because I don't know that. So this is before your digital nomad journey. Yeah. But I don't know that people, especially Black women, I I suppose particularly, have entertained like traveling like that, like work travel, like work stay kind of thing. So first of all, it was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) To put it lightly, yep. (laughs) Um, You talked about uh, being in Australia, your visa kind of running toward the end. And so you needed to get a job and you paid for a job service to a job placement service to find you a job. They found you a job at a banana farm. So you did it and you said that it, some of it was boring and mind numbing and some of it was like physically just taking you to the limit. And you actually had to go to the doctor from repetitive motion syndrome. Something, yeah. something. Yeah. And then you thought you were going to, so you were the whole time you were like really stressed because you thought you were going to get fired. <laughs> oh Yeah. The entire time, the entire time I was like, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. Who knows? But not just you, like everybody who worked there, which is like, that is the worst kind of situation. (laughs) Absolutely no job security because people are so like, you know, people are desperate for the the second year visa. If they fire you at 1 p.m., they can have someone else in by 3 p.m. So you have no job security at all. And so there's there's the boredom, there's the stress. You, You said it was like a shared prison and it made you closer with the other hundred or so workers that were there with you. Oh, for sure. I think we all, you know, we all cried at least, (laughs) I'm going to say, I was going to say at least once, but it was definitely more than that. (laughs) And just being able to talk to your experiences with the other people and being like, this happened at work today. They're like, yep, I got shouted at too. And you're like, we're on the same page here. I just don't know how like things like this are allowed to exist. I guess it's yeah there's a lot of um kind of investigations going into the farm work industry in australia at the moment someone's trying to make an independent documentary on all the terrible experiences that people have had because yeah there are a lot of people who will just take advantage of you because they know they know that you need the visa and i remember at the banana farm there was like a kind of a balcony where the main boss of the farm would watch you while you worked and I just remember being so paranoid, like, is he watching me? Have I done something wrong? And he would just like walk along that balcony. Sometimes he'd crouch down and look at specific people. And it was just a whole environment of tension the entire time. Wow, man. But even with that, you found, like I was talking about the other workers, a bit of camaraderie. Like you all would go into this super sleepy town. You said you went to a... Uh, a club where if you had gone to that club at home like you'd be shamed out of town but like everybody was happy to go there together (laughs) it's like somewhere you go in like first year of uni when you're like finally legally allowed to go clubbing and you're like yay it was it's like one of those places and we'd go there and we'd be like oh somewhere to be (laughs) yeah it's honestly something to look forward to (laughs) I like cringe a bit about it now but it's so funny like the people that I met on the farm I I just adore them I made some of my best friends that I have now I made on the farm um my friend I went to Hawaii with last year um I met one of the guys that I was friends with. I met him in Japan. So friends I made there, just I think they feel like friends for life after going through that. (laughs) Um, Can you share like how traveling as a black woman has uh, impacted you specifically? So like it's a it's a bit of a layered question as a black person, as a woman, um, how how has it been to travel for you as you go to these different countries? It's been <laughs> interesting. So I feel like in most situations, I've never felt I'm in danger here, but the the microaggressions and the, um, in inverted commas, small instances of racism, they do begin to grate on you and that's something although I love Australia and I love being here that is definitely something I've noticed here um all the time 
I'll get questions like, wow, you speak really good English or where did you learn to speak English or just these things. And it, it just, uh, I wish that it wasn't like this for women, tra- black women traveling or black people traveling the world. I really wish it wasn't like this. And I wish you could go somewhere and not be stared at. I wish you could go somewhere and someone wouldn't want to take a picture of you. And I shared something about this, like, oh, you know, people come up to you and want to take pictures of you. And um, some white people also commented, and they're like, oh, you know, when I go to Asia, people want to take pictures of me too. And I was like, but here's the difference. When people ask to take pictures with you when you're black, you don't know if it's because they are making fun of you because they think it's, like, funny. They want to, like, say to their family, like, oh, look, I saw, like, a black person in real life. Whereas with a white person, it's generally because they're, like, coveting their appearance and their blonde hair and blue eyes. But, but it's a completely different experience. So... I learned I learned a lot about that too but I feel so privileged to be able to travel the world and these experiences although they're not great is something that you know is not going to stop me from traveling and I hope it doesn't stop other women from traveling either. Who do you kind of bounce this stuff off of because a lot of white people like don't understand (laughs) so who do you talk to about this stuff? That's a good question. So I have some other um, travel bloggers, black travel bloggers that I'm friends with. So Somto Seeks and Hey Sierra. Um, I'll talk to them about stuff and our experiences and it'll be a shared like, oh yeah, that happens to me too. And you know that they've they've experienced what you've experienced. I know Somto definitely had some experiences in Barcelona where, and I think like restaurants wouldn't want to serve her. And I've not had an experience like that, but I just, I, I can only begin to imagine like how, powerful that would be yeah it gets deep right yeah um what kind of challenges have you faced along the way um many. um you know there's definitely good and bad of traveling I think um as I'm already an anxious person anyway it is often heightened when you're traveling solo and um like the first year that I went to Bali was definitely mainly a negative experience for me. There wasn't really any points of that. I can say that I was fully happy and um, there was just like a lot of things on my mind during that time. It's difficult to get in contact with anyone um, as friends were living abroad. And it's, you know, it's not like you can just go to therapy while you're abroad. You really need to be your own therapist in those situations uh, other challenges, missed flights, overstayed visas. Uh, in this year in LA, I lost a bag of my luggage and it had my like $300 wireless headphones in them, noise cancelling headphones, had my favorite shoes, some other things. Lost my phone charger, so I'd arrived in LA with like 30% phone battery and no charger, trying to get to where I needed to go. There, there have been a lot of challenges. <laughs> Yes, that sounds about like the whole bag. <laughs> Personal, physical, like all of it. Emotional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, um, when I was in Thailand, when I first started traveling as well, my leg got burnt by an exhaust pipe on the side of the road. Uh, obviously, no one spoke English. And this woman, this Thai woman saw me crying at the side of the road and took me to a pharmacy. And they're like putting this ointment on my leg. And I'm like crying. I'm like, what is it? What, what is it? So I can buy some to take back with me. And they're like, oh, it's toothpaste. I'm like, toothpaste? You're putting toothpaste on my open wound. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> so great on getting help. And I guess maybe not as great on the old school remedy like I don't know <laughs> I, I hope it worked <laughs> I mean it made me feel better but at the same time I was like what am I doing mm-hmm. especially since that was your first stop yeah yeah definitely I was like oh. I was just like walking around the rest of the day with like a bag of ice like I'd occasionally hold to my leg in between tears oh man that's tough um how do you like to explore a new place when you're traveling? I um, I probably stress people out with my travel style because I can literally turn up somewhere and be like, cool, I should probably work out what I'm going to do. Um, so I was in South Korea recently and I just knew I wanted to go. But I hadn't exactly made like a list of all these things I wanted to do. And then I got there and I'd spent like so much time just like focusing on just getting there. And I was like, wait, 
I'm actually here and I have no idea what I'm going to do next. Um, but I just, you know, I will ask local people what to do, um, look on Instagram, look for blogs in that area, and then kind of just base my ideas on that. I also love doing Airbnb experiences. They're like my new favorite thing. So it's um, basically as well as renting out homes, they also have these experiences where locals will create their own tours and then put them on Airbnb. So when I was in Seoul, I did this bike tour in South Korea. And then afterwards, the host of the tour took us to his home and his wife had made us all this traditional Korean lunch. And it was just amazing. It was, it was amazing. I can use a good Korean lunch right now, actually. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so your, your traveling style right now, you are currently um, based and then you just kind of take trips from there? Yeah, I actually prefer to travel this way just because I am, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I'm actually quite a homebody. It's very important to me to have my own space and somewhere that I can come back to. I guess it's like a security thing as well. You're always like, young, well, you know, there's always, I've never like ever like seriously wanted to come back from a trip. I guess it's something you always say to yourself, you know, like, oh, well, if it goes wrong, I can always go home. But I do like to travel for um, maybe like a month or so or a couple of weeks and then come back. I like having somewhere to come back to. Yeah, a lot of the ladies actually prefer that kind of style. Do you have any song lyrics or poems that speak to you these days? I love that. You know what? I actually don't really listen to that much music when I'm at home and I don't do it when I'm walking around because I have like, a, I'll get distracted really easily. So if I'm listening to something in headphones and I can't focus on walking around and not getting killed. So I do have favorite quotes though. And one of my all time favorite quotes is, um, and then I realized to be more alive, I had to be less afraid. So I lost my fear and gained my whole life. That's an excellent quote. I love it so much, but the the sad thing about it is no one no one knows who originally said it, so kind of the love and credit they deserve. Well, you know, maybe they didn't want it. <laughs> sometimes it's that. Sometimes people are haters. It's just like how uh, people copy stuff on the internet and like don't credit the original. Right. This actually <laughs> happened to me on um. Someone stole this quote that I'd made for Pinterest, and they were this um quite big brand a voucher brand and they reposted it on their instagram but cropped my website off the bottom of it so it wasn't even like they didn't know who did it i put my details there and they just cropped cropped my site off the bottom and although i commented and messaged them like hey this is mine they never took it down and it still stands there to this day uh-uh yeah threaten them with some like fake legal action or something like that like they can't do that that's like legally like not um legal <laughs> that's legally not that's legal. legally not legal <laughs> no but like a, a lot of people like if that does happen you know you get your yeah. mop together you're like listen that's not fair you need to credit her you need to pay her like you're a content creator right so yeah i called them out on instagram and a couple of people commented as well but they've never never responded i don't know i feel like instagram is a bit less impactful when it comes to that kind of stuff twitter is a lot more <laughs> Get all the retweets behind it. Yeah, and all the comments below versus, mm-hmm. I don't know, people just be yeah, right. on Instagram. But I will absolutely get in their asses for that because that's your shit. Hey, you could pay me or take my shit down. Like, that's how that works. Okay. Oh, sorry. So... Um... Yes, great quote, though. I will put that in the show notes. So, Miss Effia, how can people, how can listeners support your work? Well, um, so you can find me on my blog at effietalkslife.com, Twitter at effietalkslife, Facebook, effietalkslife. And then the only one where it's different is Instagram, where I've chosen to call myself Effie Shows Life, which is E-F-F-Y and then shows life. And I think I thought I'd be like different doing that, you know, with the pictures I'm showing instead of writing and talking. But I've now realized I should have probably just kept the same name for all of them. But okay. <laughs> Does somebody have Effie Talks Life on Instagram? No, you can... I'm, too, I'm too far gone now. I can't change. Yes, you can. 
no, I'm committed. I'm committed to this name, okay? All right, all right, all right. if you say so. I'm just saying you can <laughs> actually change it. <laughs> but thank you so very much for such a lovely conversation and for just I a little bit funny. of that Scottish accent. Just a little bit. <laughs> I'm so I would tell you to work on that, but I'm sure you have other things. Oh, <laughs> That's my priority, not yours. Shots <laughs> and classes. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get one of my own. Never mind, I'll just do it myself. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. So thank you so much for sharing so much of your story, of your journey. I hope you have a gorgeous day. You too. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You take good care. Mm-hmm.